So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just think back over the last seven days, from last Sunday to this Sunday, and just in your mind, start thinking through what stands out to you. Right? There might be a moment, there might be an event, there might be a conversation. I see some of you laughing and some of you are starting to cry in this moment right here. Right? You, you probably experienced a range of emotions of the, the few things. Like you just pull out like three, four, five things that stood out to you over the last seven days. Now I want you to expand that and think over the last month, right? We're, we're about not quite halfway into February, so, so maybe January to February, same thing. Like what kind of begins to stand out at you and maybe even start to, to filter these through the relationships that you have, whether you're married or not married, single, not single, dating, not dating, wish you were dating, engaged, kids, no kids, any of those types of things. Start to just filter all of those moments through the relationship. Now start to think back over the last year, 2018, 2018, what are a few of those moments that begin to just stand out of you? And at this point, you're probably only able to think through um, at this quick of a pace, one, maybe two moments that you're like, that stands out the most over this last year. We could keep going on and on and on over the last several years, the last decade, your entire life. What stands out to you the most? And if I were to guess, and and as I do this as well, my guess is those moments are in one of two categories. The first category would be that of a high, right? You you would call this a peak. I mean, like, man, the things that stood out to me, man, it was like an elevated, it was above and beyond. It was something in my life that just stood above all the rest of them. Right? It would be something that we would be excited about, something that we would celebrate. You get married, you have a baby, you get a raise, you get a promotion, you buy a house, all of those types of things. You came to church and realized how great this church is. Any of these amazing moments right? that in some way would be considered a defining moment, we'll talk about in a second. The other option, the other category is that of a low. Right? It would be what you would almost call a pit. Or man, I, I really don't want to bring that up. I don't want to have to think about that. It's the diagnosis, it's the bankruptcy you filed for, it's the divorce, it's the splitting apart, it's the losing touch with, it's the health problems. It's, it's, it's just as vivid in your mind. You remember it just as well. It stands out just as much as the peak, but man, this one is, is the pit. And then you have all those other ones that you did not think about, which is simply, it happened, <laughs> right? It's just, it's just the day-to-day life. We don't necessarily always think through that. It happens, and and there's more of these moments. There's more of just the make it through moments than the peaks and the pits, the highs and the lows. But when we think about the last week, the last month, the last year, through our entire lifetime, we notice most those peak moments. Wow, this was incredible. You won't believe what happened. And, And we love experiencing these moments, but we also remember very vividly those pits and those low moments. We all have these defining moments, those peaks and those pits, those highs and those lows. And I use that phrase defining moments because here's what happens with a defining moment. Sometimes you can expect them. Sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes we even do things to intentionally create those defining moments. But most of those defining moments happen. And sometimes we don't notice it till afterwards, but they do happen. But what happens in those defining moments is we're then given a choice after the fact. The defining moment happens and then we get to decide what we're gonna do with it. And in the, in, in the terms of relationships, we have those defining moments and they most definitely impact our relationships in any kind of relationship. We all have different levels of relationships. We're all in different relationship statuses and, and those defining moments, peaks and pits, those impact our relationships. Because after a defining moment, you have to decide, what am I gonna do with that defining moment? And oftentimes it's taking your, your 
relationships, one direction or another. It causes you to grow closer together and lean into one another more or it causes you to pull away and isolate and separate yourselves a little bit more. So as you think through those defining moments, I want you to start to even think through, so what do I do with them? What have I done in those defining moments? But what we're gonna see this morning is what to do with those defining moments. Like I said, sometimes you can create them, sometimes they just happen. But if we can be aware of the defining moments and begin to program our brains and our heart to ask the question, what do I do with these defining moments? Oh, then we get to see God do some incredible things in our relationships. So if you have your Bible, we're gonna look at 2 Chronicles. I know you're all super familiar and excited about 2 Chronicles because we talk about it all the time, don't we? No. 2 Chronicles, she's like, that's a book of the Bible. I promise you it is. I'm not making this up. So 2 Chronicles, Old Testament, and it gives really an account of a lot of the kings, right? David, King David, you're familiar with King David, Saul. It's kind of in, in that. And the king that we're gonna look at this morning is actually in the line of David. You know, a few removed, but in the line of King David. And I want you to see if you can catch his defining moments. See, as we're reading through his story, if you can catch his defining moments, but also what he does with those defining moments and see what it does to the relationships. See what it does between his relationship with him and God. What it does in his relationship with him and those that he's leading. As king, he's leading an entire nation. See if you can pay attention to not just identifying the, the defining moments, but also the direction that it takes him. Because of our actions, those defining moments, most certainly, it causes us to choose a direction. Those defining moments determine the direction of our relationships, or at least the next step or the next few steps. Now, here's what you need to know before we dive into this. Let me give you a little context. So King Asa is who we're going to look at, and this is taking place in a time where the, the nation of Israel, right? You've got the Jewish people, God's chosen people in the Old Testament. It's split into two different kingdoms, northern kingdom and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is referred to as Israel. The southern kingdom is referred to as Judah. King Asa is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, and they're not not, they're not friends. Like, this isn't like a happy split, like, oh, yeah, you do your own thing, we'll do our own thing. No, you're going to see they're actually at war. It's very tense. And as any king would have, and as any kingdom would experience, there's other foreign nations and other foreign kings around him that are wanting to attack King Asa and the kingdom of Judah. Defining moments, but what he does with them and the direction it takes them. So here we go. Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse two. Here we get a little insight into what King Asa did at the beginning of his reign. It says, King Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He removed foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah, that's the Southern kingdom that he's in charge of. He commanded Judah, that entire Southern nation to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors and to obey his laws and commands. That's a good start for a king, isn't it? Now, this is the defining moment, and you need to know the context to see it as a defining moment. King Asa's father was the opposite of King Asa in this point. King Asa's father did not follow God. In fact, he's the one that set up a lot of these, these idol temples and all these high places of worship, which speak to the idols and, and worshiped foreign gods. So right there, the defining moment as King Asa steps into the throne, puts on the crown and says, I'm now king of Judah. He has a defining moment. What kind of king am I gonna be? Am I gonna be a king like my father? Am I gonna follow in his footsteps? Or am I going to be my own? Am I gonna start something new? So the defining moment is, well, you're now king. What next, King Asa? And he acted on it. He responded to it by saying, I'm not gonna be like my father. I'm gonna break the family tree and I'm gonna get our people back to God. See, some of you here, that relationship that you're in, those relationships that you're in, you're still allowing past relationships to define your current one. 
You're letting a mom, a dad, a parent, guardian, you're letting siblings, you're letting past actions dictate the reality of your current relationships. Those are defining moments when you step into that relationship that you have now and say, no, no, regardless of past relationships, regardless of what I witnessed in past relationships, regardless of how I was raised, brought up, and what I've seen, this is my relationship. So you see, King Asa had a defining moment. I'm now king, and what did he do with it? He made it his own. And regardless of how he was raised and what his father did, he says, I'm not my father, I'm my king. And he said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna get our, our nation starting on the right foot. We're gonna serve God. We're gonna follow God and obey God. Defining moment, he got rid of all the things not of God. And he continued to lead the kingdom of Judah. There's your first defining moment. Here's the second one. As we said, there's going to be problems. For a king, there's problems. In relationships, shocker, there's problems, right? We know it's gonna happen. So I don't know why we're surprised when problems boil up in our relationships. It's like, well, I didn't know what the problem was gonna be, but I know there's gonna be problems in relationships. He's aware of this, he knows it. And so look at how he handles this problem. This is when there's another army, a foreign army getting ready to invade and attack the kingdom of Judah. Verse 11, look at how King Asa responded to this defining moment. Then Asa, King Asa, called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord, our God. Look at that. Not just Lord, but Lord, our God. For we rely on you and your name. We have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Do you hear that prayer? Oh, it's such a good prayer. Man, steal it, change it, make it your own, tweak it where it's, God, I need you. Notice those words. We rely on you. We can't do this without you. We need your help. We're under attack. God, we need you. And what King Asa did that, that made this defining moment and, and changed the trajectory of not just him as a king, but him and his people of Judah, is he went to God first, right? He started by saying, God, we're gonna follow you. But now a defining moment of put your money where your mouth is. Right? You say you're going to follow me. You're, you say that you're going to lead your people in my direction. But now with this first big problem, this is one of his first problems, his first attacks that he deals with as a king. Okay, King Asa, what are you going to do? Defining moment number two. And so he says, let's go to God first. He leaned in. He said, God, we can't do this on our own. God, we can't do this without you. We rely on you. We need you to help us. The only way we're going to make it out of this mess is with you. And in our relationships, what if we had that same response? where we have these defining moments, these problems, those pits that we talked about and that come to mind. What if during those, because we know they're gonna happen, what if we leaned in to God and we go to him first? God, we can't do this without you. God, we rely on you. Defining moment number two, what do you do when problems hit? Defining moment number three for King Asa. Now, a lot of time has now passed, right? It's only a couple chapters we're skipping over, but it's a lot of time. We've seen what happened early on. If you go to chapter 16, it says, in the 36th year of King Asa's reign. So now we're 36 years into King Asa's reign as king, and we're gonna see something begin to change in his heart as well as his actions, but at what we're looking at, how he responds to these these moments, these defining moments. It says this in verse one out of chapter 16. In the 36th year of King Asa's reign, the king of Israel, northern kingdom that they don't get along, in the northern kingdom of Israel, went up against Judah, that's his kingdom down in the south, up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of King Asa of Judah. In other words, the northern kingdom said, we're not gonna let anybody in or out. It's almost like a blockade. 
And then the southern kingdom is like, well, what are we gonna do, right? This is King Asa. And this is, remember how long? I'm trying to push the numbers here so you remember. How long has passed? 36 years. That's a long time. He started to define himself as a king and the ruler of Judah. He has seen problems and he's handled them well. God's provided, God's delivered them, God's taken care of them. But in this moment, something changes. So there's the problem. Northern Ar- the northern army of Israel is now blockading and attacking the southern army that he's in charge of. Verse two, look at what he does. Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasures of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to the king of Aram who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. Remember that. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with the king of Israel so he will withdraw from me. Do you see what he did there? Defining moment number three. You've got another problem, but this one is how many years in? 36 years in. Another problem, nothing new. It's not a new problem. It's just another problem. It looks a little bit different, but same problem. And this time it was different than the defining moment in the second one because he takes it into his own hands. He takes matters into his own hands. He says, well, I know how to fix this. I'm gonna look at what my father did. Oh, we just talked about in the first defining moment, I'm gonna be my own king, King Asa said. Now he's going back to what his father would have done. So he takes silver and gold, takes money out of the Lord's temple, but also out of his own treasures, out of his own palace. And he pays off this other king, this third king to say, well, let's have a treaty so that you can help me against the one that's fighting me up north. So he starts to put in this kind of strange treaty mechanism, but he has to pay him off and talk him into it. It ends up being quite a mess. But you see what he did not do this time. He didn't go to God, did he? No, he he didn't go to God first. Instead, he said, well, here's what my father did. I'll do that. And I've got some money. I can just pay him off. We can figure this out. How many of us have said that in a relationship? Doesn't end very well, does it? It seems like, well, we'll figure it out or we'll, 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 we'll get the right answer eventually or I know what to do. Now, I'm not saying we don't, but I'm saying it starts with going to God first. Now, that's very preachery to say, isn't it? And yes, preachery is a word. It's one of those things where like, okay, that's something you only hear in Sunday. Give it to God. Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, that's just, and, and, and it's as great of a song and preaching as that makes. It's, it's not helpful, is it? You're like, well, what, what, what am I supposed to do then? Let me give you a question. You might've even heard this before. Here's a great question, almost a little too convicting of a question to know if you're taking things to God first. Here's the question. Have you prayed about it as much as you have already talked about it? Woo, that didn't feel good, did it? (laughs) Mm, Stop, stop. Have you prayed about it as much as you have talked about it? Now, we don't know this, but let me take some liberties here, make some assumptions that King Asa would have had advisors and generals and army leaders around him. He would have had nobles and other wise men around him to start bouncing ideas. And, And he would have called them all together, his cabinet together and said, we've got a problem. Northern army, they're gonna blockade us. What do we do? And even with all of those other voices, they would have talked about it, talked about it, talked about it, and this is the solution they came up with. So I don't think it is a lack of talking things out that is our first problem. It's we talk it out, we talk about it, talk about it to a lot of other people, in fact, but we haven't taken it to God first. I'm not saying don't take it to other people. I'm saying take it to God first. So in those relationships, we know there's gonna be problems. King Asa knows there's gonna be problems. And yes, we need to talk it through, but do we take it to God first? The other thing that we see here in this defining moment is what I call the drift. How long has it been? In his 30, 
sixth year. I hope you're catching the time. 36 years have gone by. And all of a sudden, there's this big change. This is a massive change to what we read about earlier, where he went to God first, and he made this as my prayer. And God, we can't do this without you, and we rely on you to, well, I've got some money. I'll just pay off another king. We'll have a treaty, and everything will be fine. That's a big change. That's a massive change, and it doesn't happen overnight. That's why I use the word drift. Over these 36 years, he drifted. He got to a place where he was comfortable enough where he would take care of it on his own and not seek the Lord first. In our relationships, we feel that. We see that, don't we? 36 years later, whether it's a real 36 or not, later on, whether it's a spouse, you and your spouse, man, at once, man, we were close and we always did things together. We talked everything out and now it just feels like roommates and it's almost a business arrangement. This will just, life works this way. Maybe it's with your family and your kids where, man, we started out real tight and close, but then they went to middle school and things got weird and you still haven't recovered from middle school. Sorry if there's a middle school in the room, but admit it, it's weird. It's a weird stage. <laughs> And now your kid's out of the house and you're like, we don't really talk that much. We kind of, oh, here's the phrase, lost touch, right? Maybe it's a coworker that you started out and man, we're just gonna tackle this thing. We're gonna, we're gonna fix these problems. And man, we love what we do. We believe in what we do, but over time you drift and now it's a cutthroat game of who gets ahead and who gets the credit, right? We drift, don't we? And here's what I think happens when we drift, I think what happens is we don't intend for it to happen. We just wake up and we're like, well, how did I get here? How did this relationship dissolve and erode to this place? How did King Asa go from a man that was devoted to God and leading his kingdom towards God, but then all of a sudden, well, we'll just pay off another foreign king and it'll work out. How did it happen? Here's what I think happened. I think it happened because he didn't have a plan in place. And when we don't have a plan in place, we just make decisions in the moment, don't we? In the moment decisions, if you're not aware of this, husbands, listen up. This is a big one for me and you for a second. Don't make a decision in the moment. It doesn't go well, does it? You say something, you're like, wait, I, sh I should have thought about that first, <laughs> right? Write this down, James 1.19. This is one of these, you've got to decide before you decide. And in fact, I think that's how we resist the drift is you make the decision before you have to. James 1.19 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's great until you're in the moment. And then you're like, I'm not going to be slow. I'm going to be fast on everything else, right? I'm going to, I need to tell you what's on my mind. Let me just get this off my chest. And, no, but if you can decide beforehand, I know there's going to be problems. I just don't know how it's going to look. But if I can decide right now before I'm in the midst of a problem, before I'm upset, before I'm all emotional about it, that I will be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, then in the moment, doesn't make it easier, but the decision's already been made, right? That's called muscle memory. You know muscle memory? I grew up playing basketball. And uh, if you grew up playing basketball, you know this. If you watched basketball, you noticed this. If you haven't done either of those, I'm gonna teach you something new today about basketball. Here it is. If you were to shoot a free throw, Right, I go up, I shoot a free throw. It doesn't matter the environment. It doesn't matter whether it's practice. It doesn't matter whether it's a weekend game. It doesn't matter whether it's the national championship game. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna shoot a free throw and it's gonna look the exact same every single time. Here's how I shoot free throws. Ready? I'm gonna teach you how I do it. One, two, three. The spin. Now I look ahead. One, two, three. This is important. And I shoot and I make 100% of my free throws, man. I mean 100% of my free throws. I'm that good. That's right. But if you pay attention to basketball, March Madness is coming up, pay attention to it. Every player that goes to the free throw line, every single one, it's gonna look different 
for each person and each player, but they have their own pre-shot, right? Mine, here it is, get the breath in there, right? It's the exact same. It doesn't matter the environment. It doesn't matter the pressure, whether it's a high pressure game or a low pressure game, it doesn't matter. It's the exact same. It's a predetermined decision. It's muscle memory. And what if we started to do that in our relationships? where you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your family, you and the workplace, you had predetermined decisions. I don't know what the problem is gonna be, but I know we're gonna have them. And when we have them, here's how we're gonna get through them. We're gonna go to God first. We're gonna act this way. We're gonna talk this way. We're not gonna talk like this. We're not gonna throw these things. These things we can throw. These things we can't throw. Because <laughs> when you're in the moment, guess what goes out? All logic and reasoning. It all goes out the window. So if you wanna resist the drift, You've got to have some predetermined decisions. Where if Asa had some predetermined decisions, like every time we're invaded or every time there's a problem in the kingdom, we're going to go to God first, no matter what. And all the advisors would have known that. So they would have said, excuse me, King Asa, you said that anytime there's a problem, we pray first. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Let's do that. Because we forget in the moment, don't we? So defining moment number three for King Asa was doing it on his own instead of God's way. Now, here's how that, we said, these defining moments direct our relationships. Look at what that directed to. Now, you ready for some drama in the Old Testament? Here's some drama for you. Verse seven, still in chapter 16, here's what happens next. At that time, Hanani, he's a seer or a prophet, he, is, he goes to King Asa, came to King Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, uh-oh, there's a, here's what's gonna happen next, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers and of chariots and horsemen? That's who he fought in that defining moment number two. Yet, when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing. From now on, you will be at war. Oh, that's hard to hear, isn't it? Have you ever been called out in a relationship? hey, you didn't handle this the right way. You said this and it made me feel like this. You didn't handle it the right way. Defining moment number four. How do you handle when you're wrong? Do I need to talk to husbands again? Now, we'll just talk to everybody. We'll just lump everybody in there together. Too close to home. What do we do when we're wrong? When we're called out? Because that is a defining moment because we have a choice on how we act after that. Right? He's called out, hey, you didn't do this right. You went to the king of Aram. You went to a foreign king and paid him off instead of going to God first. We've already noticed that. So now when it gets brought up, you've done something wrong. In fact, his words were, you've done a foolish thing. So defining moment number four, what is he gonna do when he's faced with being told he's wrong? Here's his unfortunate response. Verse 10. King Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. At the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. The events of King Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in another book. You can read about that. Here's verse 12. Look what happens next. In the 39th year of his reign. So we're only a few years into this now. This is towards the end. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Yes, a foot disease. Though his disease was severe and in his illness, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. And that's a sad ending. Kind of a weird story. A little strange. The last defining moment is, well, how do you handle being wrong? How do you handle a relationship that isn't going well? How do you handle 
that moment and that defining moment. For King Asa, at this point, he had drifted so far he couldn't imagine owning up to it. He couldn't imagine apologizing, repenting, and saying he's sorry and changing his ways. All of those things that to us as rational people reading about this thousands of years later said, Asa, this is a simple fix. Say you're sorry, move on, change some things. But in the moment, how dare you tell me I'm wrong? How dare you try to run my kingdom? I'm the king, I'm the boss. I haven't done anything wrong. If God had only done, right? Now you start to feel that emotion of how he began to respond. And what happened is his drifted heart turned into a very stubborn heart. And let's just be honest, let's, let's admit, can we all admit that we do stupid things when we're stubborn? <laughs> yes, when we're stubborn, when we have that stubborn heart, we just do stupid things. We say things we shouldn't say, we do things we shouldn't do. And we miss out on the most logical, rational choices. So his last defining moment was defined by his stubbornness. And it says that he died of this foot disease. I wouldn't necessarily say he died of a foot disease. I'd say he died of a stubborn heart. It said that even in his illness, as severe as it was, he refused, not didn't think about it. No, he refused to go to God for help. Well, I haven't gone to God for help in years. I'm not gonna start now. And he died of a stubborn heart. How many of your relationships, how many of my relationships have died or in the process of dying or decaying because of our stubborn heart? What relationships have died or are dying because of a stubborn heart? See, the, the shame in all of this is that he allowed his defining moments leading up to this to define his future relationships. I said our defining moments direct our relationships, but understand, defining moments do not have to define your relationships. Just because he had a stubborn heart here, understand King Asa could have changed it at any point. You know what, I'm sorry. You know what, I, I need to let this go. You know what? I need to fill in the blank. We don't have to allow our stubbornness to solidify. We can change at any point. Well, we don't like to, because then we have to start admitting that we were wrong and they were right or this and that, or we have to apologize, say we're sorry, da, 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 da. What relationships are dead or dying because of a stubborn heart? Again, we know there's gonna be problems, right? That's not a bad thing. We know there's gonna be problems. We just don't know what they are. The question is, what do we do with them? What are those predetermined decisions? Let me help you out a little bit. Now, it's 11 o'clock. It's almost noon. I know you're probably thinking lunch, so I, I will be gentle with my words here. We're all clear on what this is? Yep, you don't need me to explain it? Although some of you are like, no, no, give it a whirl, Brian. Let me see how you explain this. I want to see where you're going with this. Front row people, this is brand new. I did not bring this from home. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. No, brand new, never been used. I promise, I think. I don't know what it does between services, but as far as I know, it's never been used. So we know what it is. You all know what this is used for, correct? Yes. When there's a problem in our house, we call it a problem in the potty, is what we say. Daddy, there's a problem in the potty. And I'm like, that's not the real problem, but it sounds better that way. So think of what we have to do. And it's, it's a messy job. It's not an enjoyable job. But here's what we don't do. And you would never dream of doing this. If there is a problem with the toilet that requires said plunger, what we do not do is, well, that's not really that big of a problem. I mean, just leave it alone for a little bit and see what happens, right? Maybe it'll just take care of itself. How about that? Yeah, just, just leave it alone. It'll take care of itself. We would never ignore it. We would never say, 
what problem? I don't see a problem. Just shut the door. I have two other bathrooms I can use. I'm going to just pretend it's not there. You have people come over to your house. Use any bathroom you want. Are you sure you want it? Yeah, what's wrong with it? I don't see anything wrong with it. Do you see anything wrong with it? Have at it. No. Of course not. We would never ignore it. We would never like wish it away. We would never think there's some other magical way that this thing would get fixed. We use a simple solution that yes is a little dirty and yes is a little messy and yes is a little smelly and no, we don't want to do it, but we recognize what we need to do. Guess what? And it fixes the problem, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So here is my suggestion on how to plunge your relationships. <laughs> do you see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you very much. You'll remember that one. This is going to be one of these for you. You're like, yeah, yeah, these are going to be one of these. You ask me what I remember, this is what I remember. No, but we really remember this part. Because here's what we do. Here's what we do. Let me put these on the screen. There's going to be a lot of them. So take a look. Beth, let's put those up there. There you go. That's a lot, isn't it? Here's how we lean into our relationships. Here are the predetermined decisions for your relationships. Now, I've only put enough that fit on one slide. There's actually 59 of these if you go through the New Testament. Let me go through them with you. It says that, first of all, it's all underneath the umbrella of Jesus's command to us. Because I've loved you, now you love others. Just as I've loved you, now here's my command, love one another. He says that in John. But look at all the other ones throughout the New Testament. Be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Bear with one another. You know what bear means, right? When we say bear with one another, that's that I don't want to, but I'm going to because I'm told I have to attitude. That's okay. That's all right. We have permission to bear with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Submit to one another. Forgive one another. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Don't grumble against one another. Parents, that's your family's memory verse for the next week with your kids. Pray for one another. Offer hospitality to one another. The only one I left out, I told you there's 59, a lot of them are repeats. The only one I left out was greet one another with a holy kiss. You're welcome to add it if you want, just do not use that with me, please. But <laughs> however you wanna work with that. Here's what I want you to pay attention to. Yes, it's a lot and it's a little overwhelming. Here's what I want you to pay attention to. You ready for this? Not one of those up there has anything to do with the other person doing something first. Not one. Because the problem with this is, well, it's not my problem. They started it. It's not my mess. It's their mess. Here you go. You have at it. And we, we, we projected on them. We said, no, 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 this isn't on me. This is you. Or I'll forgive you after you first apologize. Then we can talk about it, right? What we love to do with our relationships is have them go first. And every single one of those was us first. It did not require the other person in the relationship to do anything, not a thing. Defining moments direct your relationships. Defining moments do not have to define your relationships. So I'm gonna have us do one more thing. This is your homework, right? For the rest of your life, not just weekly homework. Here's the rest of your life homework. Same thing's gonna go up, but we're gonna do something a little bit different. Now we're gonna put blanks there. What do you think you're gonna do with those blanks? Fill them in with names, right? With relationships. A new command I give you, love who? As I have loved you, so you must love them as well. Don't worry, you don't have to write these down. You're actually gonna get this sheet on your way out. And it's got all of those on there and it's got all of the blanks on there. I see some of you trying to take pictures and write these down. I got you, it's a lot. So you're gonna get this on your way out. And seriously, I want us to do this together. I want us to start putting names in. Be at peace with who in your life. Be devoted to who. Honor 
someone above yourselves. Live in harmony with. Stop passing judgment on. Encourage, serve, bear with who. Be patient with. Be kind and compassionate to. Submit to. Did he say submit? Yeah, mutually submit. Forgive. Spur someone along towards love and good deeds. Don't grumble against. Pray for. Offer hospitality to. My guess is there's gonna be different names for each and every one of those. It might be your spouse on all of them. That's okay. My guess is there's gonna be different names for each of them. Lean in. Go first. Here's how you create defining moments in your relationship. Many defining moments, we've talked about them, peaks and pits, highs and lows. You start treating other people in your life like this, you will create defining moments. We said it earlier, many defining moments just happen. But I believe some defining moments we can actually cause and create and allow God to do incredible things in your relationships. But we go first. Just as Jesus went first, we go. In fact, we're told we love because he first loved us. So this week, start filling in some names and start loving others the way that Jesus loved us and create some defining moments. And may we not end like King Asa. May we begin like King Asa, but let's have a different ending than King Asa where he started fully devoted to God and gave his heart to the Lord, but over time drifted, didn't have a plan in place, didn't have some predetermined decisions, started going to other people before he went to God, didn't allow God in his relationships or in his kingdom anymore, to a place where his heart became hard and stubborn. And in the moment of his greatest need, refused to go to God. May we never die of stubbornness but may we love others the way that Jesus first loved us. And may that be the beginning of many defining moments that do direct our relationships. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for what you have already done, that you have already gone first. God, I pray that, that we follow your model, your example, your command to us. God, we're not perfect and we do not have perfect relationships and they are messy and they are difficult and, and we don't know this and that's, that's okay because the, the rewards of these relationships are incredible. It's worth the work. It's worth the effort. Absolutely, God, you've shown us that. So God, I would ask that you would protect our hearts from stubbornness. Keep our hearts soft and humble instead of hardened. God, as we go through that list of one another's May your Holy Spirit bring to our mind and our heart a name that we need to write in there. And it's not because they deserve it. It's not because they've done anything to earn it. It's because they are a creation of yours. They are made in your image. They are a fellow child of God. God, help us become more real with our relationships, to lean in, to go first, to use defining moments and to even create some defining moments along the way that will forever impact us and the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.